Welcome to the weekend must watch here on the Intercut Podcast channel, where we wade our way through the latest in streaming theaters and on demand. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he crashed his Scion TC going 100 miles per hour. It's Arturo Zurita. I don't want to be caught up there with the uh, Nathan for you fans, but we have a series of projects this week that I would say is all dark comedies. I think the black comedies is all we've got in this week in theaters, at home, no matter where you went. There was a lot of funny stuff uh, that was very much on the dark side. And uh, I'm excited to talk a lot about it because August is also going to be bringing a slew of streaming stuff, a slew of theater stuff. It's gotten to the point where I feel like every beginning of the year used to be uh, like like that February was like the the dumpster ground. And I feel like Mm -hmm. we get the good stuff in February now. And it's August, right before uh, school comes in, where they realize no one's spending money. It's all back to school stuff. But it's changing again. Yeah, it, so I'm it scared, used to I'm be that like it used to be that like the summer movie season wouldn't start until you know late May or maybe then it was early yep. May, and then they started going into April and then March, and and they put out all their big movies so early in the year that you feel the studios start to dry up their reserves when you get to august but uh streaming might be changing things so we'll see but yeah let's talk about this week yeah a lot on streaming uh not as much in theaters but let's start it there anyway with the what we're watching with the biggest release of the weekend being a Superhero movie of sorts? Do do we get Kinda. to call this one a superhero movie or is it just a comic book <laughs> movie because it is based on a DC property? Uh, more more specifically, uh, let's talk about DC's League of Super Pets, uh, a property that I didn't know about prior to the announcement of the feature film starring a lot of very famous people. Uh, highlighted by The Rock and Kevin Hart. Art, first of all, did you know about this property before they decided to adapt it? And secondly, how do you think it translates to the big screen? I'm aware of the Super Pets. I, I know crypto. Um, that's all right. You know, it's more way to make DC content, I guess, out there in terms of animation. Yeah. If there's, you know, between the two, Marvel and DC, DC has had what? CW shows with the Flash barely ending as it was announced recently uh they have the harley quinn show which we recommended last week i would recommend again this week they just know how to divide all the content that they have into different markets and this makes sense if a lot of their a lot of their features have gotten pretty dark in my opinion unless you're doing wonder woman or you're doing i guess whatever black adam is going to be they need something really for the kids right something that's not going to be so grim and grayed out and i think dc super pets kind of uh lives up to that uh I enjoyed it for what it was. I would give it a rented. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I am on the side that when we get so many actors doing voice recordings, you really do end up with nothing more than an imitation of what they're already known for. Uh, there are a lot of actors in this that I do that I think do a good job. Um, but it definitely sounds like them in a booth. And even more than that, you know, this is a COVID movie where they weren't really seeing each other. So it's not just them in a booth. It's them in a closet, Skyping in for whatever the next thing's going to be. Uh 
it, it was good for what it is. The premise here is that you're following Crypto the dog, who is Superman's dog. When everything got destroyed, mm-hmm. he was the one pet who his parents sent out with him so that he would keep him company. But then Superman's getting married. And if Superman's getting married, who's going to pay attention to the dog, right? Um, the flip being, though, is that there is a serum that's out there that's going to cause all of the animals out there to have superpowers except the one superpowered dog that we know crypto kevin hart and Dwayne the rock johnson have a shtick that they do i think it works a little bit better when they're in person uh they're able to play off the physical (laughs) comedy a lot more but right you know a lot of the jokes are still there for what it's supposed to be i will say the ones that stood out to me the most kate mckinnon plays lulu who's supposed to be like the the evil guinea pig or whatever it was that she was going as in the movie it's vanessa vanessa bayer in the movie she plays this um this pig i want to say practically yeah uh yeah she goes by pb she's obsessed with wonder woman just some of the lines that she brings in uh, i thought were hilarious and then i heard her talking about uh her doing some of the audio work and that they allowed her to improv so then she'd they'd be able to animate around her yeah that stuff really works. Natasha Leone does something in this movie I don't want to spoil, but it is Natasha Leone voicing whatever DC super pet they gave her, right? It is her entire yeah. attitude to the point that they were making some jokes that Spy Kids did a um, shiitake joke back in the day. I guess this is the right. new updated version for today's kids. Uh, and then Diego <laughs> Luna, who plays Chip uh, in the movie. Decent cast doing a lot of the voice work. Again, these two being the main leads. Um, in a world where they're able to take a lot of the DC iconography, a lot of the DC characters play with them. Uh, there is an after credit sequence that happens in this movie that is the snake eating its own tail. Uh, I know you didn't catch it, Zach, but <laughs> I don't think you would care for it or are even looking forward to this other <laughs> upcoming DC property that's on the horizon. But, you know, overall, uh, out of a lot of the movies that we've gotten this past year, it definitely feels like a like a good Illumination movie. I almost felt like you were about to say Secret Life of Pets, which is what I continue to call this, DC Super <laughs> Life of Pets. Um, but they did do something cute at the ending. Uh, you usually see a pr- the production babies in Pixar movies. They had production pets right. in this one. I thought that was oh, the most adorable cute. thing in the film. That's but sweet. If you've got kids, it's not a bad movie to go catch in theaters. Yeah, there's enough there that you are not. You don't think the parents or the, the older brothers and sisters will like be pulling their hair out or just waiting for the runtime to end. It's, it's cute enough or or at least maybe you can just spend the runtime doing what I know I would do and like try to play who's that voice with this ca- that, with this voice cast. Yeah, that's what I played. Yeah. So uh, not a bad ah, Definitely not, not a bad movie. There you go. <laughs> so DC League of Super Pets. Cool. All right. Let's move on to another theatrical release this weekend that we both got a chance to see. This one is called Vengeance. It was a 2022 Tribeca Film Festival uh, premiere, and it is written and directed by B.J. Novak, also starring B.J. Novak. You may recognize Novak from his many years uh, on The Office, where he was both a writer and one of the stars of the show. And he's kind of popped up in different places in the years since then. He's not exactly a guy with a very prolific output. He likes to, you know, wait a couple years and then give you, like, what was the name of that FX show that uh, ran, uh, had, a, had like an anthology thing going on with Lucas Hedges and stuff? The premise. That he did... I- the premise, yeah. right? So BJ, he did that, and he'll, you know, he'll show up in spots here and there. But this is kind of one of his first real big projects, I think, post office, uh, playing the role of a radio host from New York City, more of a podcast host who goes to Texas to 
potentially solve the murder of a former paramour while also producing the podcast that will launch him and his career. Art, this is a bit of a blue state meets red state movie. Did you think that BJ Novak was the guy to give you insight into the things dividing our country? Uh, I thought it was a decent movie. I like how you said it. Uh, he's compared it to NYC, Texas. <laughs> he's like, you can either see this as a New York movie, a Texas movie. He says it's intellect versus gut, all these different aspects of it. It it definitely comes off as a movie that's trying to meet both worlds, but it's still very mm. much made by a New Yorker. It's still very much made yeah. by the city boy, you know? Uh, I thought it was okay for what it was going for. I think it's two movies in one. It's trying to be like this kill the messenger type story that's trying to get to the corruptness that's happening behind the scenes there in Texas. And could there actually be something that happened to this girl? They even name drop uh, the reporter from uh, Kill the Messenger, Gary Webb. Uh, I would also compare it right. to The Dry, which was another movie that came out last year where it's a dude going back to a more rural town and trying to figure out what's going on. And is there more behind the town uh, due to this murder? Is there more happening in the town that relates to this murder? And then at the same time, it's this black comedy where he is a New Yorker who has mm-hmm. already made it. He's the radio guy who's already got all these accolades. And Issa Rae plays his um, kind of like manager, his boss, who's trying to pitch his to him. His producer, sort can- of. Yeah, that if you can pitch this new podcast story, uh, can you make something out of it? And a lot of the inspiration for him came uh, with having heard a lot of podcasts and seeing this Mm -hmm. world where you can create something and you think you're bridging the gap. But I remember I would ask Zach for a bunch of podcast recommendations, go on the road, and they're fascinating podcasts. And by the time you get to your fifth one, you realize... This is just NPR serial, whoever it is behind this, (laughs) sending somebody to go find themselves on this journey of -hmm. somebody else's misery, never solving the case, but realizing every single one, there's social injustice behind this. And he's kind of making fun of that. He's like looking into this world where he becomes this podcaster and he wants to be over there because he thinks he's better than the Texans. He knows more than they do. Um, And he's trying to mesh like, what what if we don't listen? We're probably not listening to them over there the same way they're not listening to us. Is this a movie that may bridge both? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, my, my, I guess, hang up with some of it is that I agree with you. It's kind of about, about how there are these different sides of the country and people who aren't necessarily listening to one another, but it doesn't really feel like he did a whole lot of listening to Texans. Like a lot of the characters feel very stereotypical and and thin. Yeah, Thank a New you. Yorker's version of what a bunch of Texans would be like. You know, like there's this whole conversation with where he's trying to get them to say why they like Whataburger. And it's like they a, a Texan would be able to articulate that, right? They wouldn't uh-huh. just say because it's there. And, he's and an I think there's like fan, a you could tell. <laughs> yeah, there's almost like a like a he's imposing a, a simplicity sometimes on some of these characters. Um I do think there are some clever bits, but I also feel like there's just a little bit like there was a little bit lacking with the story, right? Like a little bit of 
a lack of a, like a drive, a lack of like a pull. It felt a little bit like when things happened, it was a lot of the time to set up something funny rather than because it felt like it was the thing that had to happen, right? It's one of those movies where he gets invited to the funeral of somebody he doesn't know well, and because they they wanted to, to create a funny moment, he, of course, is going to be pulled on stage to give some words, you know? It's like... yeah. I don't know, a couple too many moments like that where I felt the movie trying too hard and I wasn't actually laughing at it. Um, but I, I don't know, it definitely wasn't like a complete like disaster or anything, just, yeah. a, just like an okay movie, not necessarily as biting of a satire as I would, would have liked or expected from B.J. Novak. Exactly. I think if he didn't direct it, you know, it's one of those where maybe the writing I was thinking is there. that as well. And it's got a good story. And if someone else could handle mm-hmm. the direction, it would have been more filling. I heard from behind the scenes that he does a lot of line reads. Because I mean, when you're in Inglorious Bastards and you worked under Tarantino, you're going to want to do some of the stuff Tarantino does, right? But right. I think you see that in the movie where you had described about the Whataburger bit. Earlier on, that same character, it's the whole family who can't describe Whataburger. They do a bit where it's like, you don't know Chekhov's gun? I'm like, oh, girl, if you go check out's gun, then you can describe Whataburger as being a delicious place right. where you can go in and eat with the whole family or something. And yeah. yeah, it very much feels like his position on what a Texan feels like. And because of that, I wish somebody else would have directed it. I wish somebody else, I don't know, maybe would have written it or something like that. You said that a lot mm-hmm. of the jokes feel just like setups. I feel like he put a board. And anything that a New Yorker does, he needed an opposite side for what they do in Texas. And sometimes right. he would do a point A and force a point B, even though it didn't need to be there. Um, it's still a very interesting mystery thriller uh, where mm-hmm. they dive into, you know, all the jurisdictions there in Texas where he's pretending to care about this girl who he just slept with for a little bit. But could there be something else here? It Could right. he possibly be solving a murder or is he just proving what he's already said in his head? Uh, these Texans, they just would rather believe that a conspiracy is happening than the actual truth that might have killed uh, their family member. There's a lot mm-hmm. in there to like. I think there's a lot of very yeah. funny lines uh, as well. And you had mentioned it earlier. The premise is another example of this where if the whole point, as he says, is that Americans don't listen to what you have to say. They, they want to just listen to a story, right? That's the premise. He does a lot of ideological um, theories and themes. And he just puts it into a nice little anthology story. And I would say that the one with Bold Hoy- uh, Hoybrook that's in the mm-hmm. premise that also stars, um, it just played right there, uh, Punisher. That one's uh, really Bernthal? good with Bernthal. That's my favorite episode of the premise. Ooh. Go check that one out on Hulu. Um, All right. That's like the best version of what he was going for here. He is definitely a guy who anything he's ever written in a journal he had his character say in this movie. Uh, right. I didn't know that he started in punk. Did you know that? I yeah yeah he there's punk has a pretty illustrious list of uh, alumni. Uh, there's him. There's Dak Shepard. There's Bill Hader. It's it's pretty crazy. So he's able to bring some people from punk in here, and they <laughs> they give you a nice little yeah. clip in there. I, I would recommend the speaking movie. of which. Speaking of which, uh, what did you think? Because th- there is a pretty interesting cast list here beyond B.J. Novak, as you alluded to. Ashton Kutcher plays a big role. You mentioned Issa Rae earlier. We also have J. Smith Cameron, a lot of people's Bro. favorite from Succession. Anybody really stand queer. out to you? Re- really quick. It's Ashton what? Kutcher? 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 I've said Kutcher, but I've heard Kutcher? Kutcher? And, and I, K- so I'm I think I'm it's Kutcher. Confused. I don't so think it's Ashton Kutcher. Is in I think the movie, that's yeah. yeah. I will say my favorite one 
and I don't know if this is a spoiler, but it happens at the beginning yeah. of the movie. And it is a, a yeah. guy who BJ Novak is actually friends with. You could easily search it up right now. I just don't want to spoil it for those of you who haven't seen the movie. And he's playing himself. I needed confirmation yeah. for that because the credits just say he's playing the same name. His first name. Yeah. He's come out and he goes, I think this is who people think I am. So I decided to give it to them <laughs> in the movie. He also works on the music. Uh, but so does Phineas. A, a, there was an interesting yeah. point in this where Phineas does the, comp, the the score for the movie. And BJ is going out saying that uh, he was the first one to get Phineas as a composer. Even though that's not true because Phineas already did it for the fallout earlier this year. But hey, <laughs> you're the first theatrical. Uh, a lot of talent behind the scenes. Another one I learned. Yeah. You had mentioned Jerry. Do you know who Jerry's married to? Uh, I used to know this, but Kenneth Longerman. Oh right, yes, uh, the the playwright, the dude who did Manchester by the Sea. I would have never thought, bro. I would have never thought. Yeah, but yeah. Um, overall, I I like the movie. I like. I'm tempted to give it a, a rent it, but I think there's enough in there that I enjoy to want to give it. A junior price. It's yeah. almost like I would want to discuss the movie further with somebody as opposed to uh, giving it another watch. Because I feel you get everything the first time through. Um, yeah. He just definitely jam packs it in with every single line. There is a point where a character is saying something very like intellectual. And I found it funny that he wrote that line, gave it to his actor, and then stars <laughs> as himself nodding to the line that he wrote that a character says. Where he goes, that's really smart. Right. That's this movie. <laughs> Totally, yeah. I think I think I'm a little more mixed negative on it than you, but really, yeah, okay. especially if you are curious about um, him or this cast, look, it's probably worth a rent. Sounds fair. Vengeance. All right. Um, so I went to the theaters today because Disney invited me to check out the upcoming horror film Barbarian, uh, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, it, it has a pretty, pretty cool trailer. How, how was it? I actually. I had avoided the trailers completely until I went to Vengeance and then it started to play. I was like, oh, I'm kind of interested in this movie. Barbarian. Cool. I'm going to go see it tomorrow. Turns out, didn't didn't see it. Uh, they, they, they rescheduled that press screening as I was on my way to the theater. Would have been nice to get a little heads up. But it did afford me the opportunity to finally catch up with Marcel the Shell with shoes on. On VOD, uh, right? Arturo's... Playing on Disney Freeform? <laughs> By this point... I think theaters... Still theaters only. A24 committed to that theatrical experience despite despite ongoing viral uh, things happening in the world. Uh, but yeah, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. I think this was number... Was it six, five on your best movies of the year so far? It Liz? is, yeah. It is probably the best feel-good movie of the year. And I have heard the Paddington praises that people have been giving it. I'm not going as far as that. But if you're a Paddington lover, this is the genre you've been waiting to see return to theaters. Zach, how was your morning? I know you were disappointed, <laughs> I mean, it, but did he turn it around for you? It was considerably cuter than I would have expected, given that I was driving into see Barbarian. <laughs> a, a huge pivot, but I, I was really, really enamored by this movie it's i almost feel like it's hard to be critical about a thing that is just so adorable in every frame um there's just like a a scope to the movie that i really love something about 
a movie like this, where where it really does sort of change your orientation by forcing you to sort of see through this one inch tall shells perspective, it almost like makes you reconsider your own perspective. And I just, I love when a movie is able to do that. There's a, there's a shot towards the end of the film where they're kind of slow panning through uh, or, or slow, slow moving through the lo- like this laundry room and a bunch of things that would be like uninspiring and, and sort of mundane in another context, just feel grand and epic and beautiful. And I think that's really the true testament of a movie is that when it can make you look at something in a new light, when when it can make you add uh, and like feel a sense of profundity about things that you would not normally find to be profound, that's, that's all you want want from a film, right? I mean, yep. and to get that from a cute comedy, that's, I don't know, man. I was I was really, really enamored with this one. Would you consider it an, uh, an animated film? That was my question. Like, I, right? I thought going in that it would be a little more animated than it turned out to be. And I, I still want to dig into some interviews and just read more about the behind the scenes because watching it, my feeling was it's a lot more practical than I expected. You know, it, it feels very tangible. It feels very, you know, like you can, like you actually can sense the scope and the weight of things in this movie. I don't know. Uh, I guess it's not an animated movie. So it's not motion. Yeah, but it's. Is it? It's not mostly stop motion. It's it's mostly live action. Well, it's considered animated. It's Marshall's stop yeah. motion. I guess it would be like when you take the um, what's the TV movie Emmy nominee Disney Plus with the Chipmunks this year? Chip and Dale. Would that be considered Rescue Rangers? Because it's half and half. See, like, so I feel like ultimately that would be more on the side of animated because there is more animation happening. And maybe that's just a little bit like unfair or whatever. But I feel like if we're just literally calculating what percentage of the screen is animated in any shot there, most of Marcel doesn't feel animated to me. I mean, I feel like he would be stop motion. Yeah, yeah. But then you're right. But he's like, so is small. The, but is he's, the he's ball tiny. stop motion, right? Because then that's a practical effect. That's why I right. find it interesting. Because, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, those, the books, I feel like, are probably practical effects and stuff Can like that. Can you call the that oranges. animation? Yeah. At what point does, does, does that become stop I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it'll be um, curious to see if that actually is something that gets, like, litigated later in the year. Because, like, it is. Marvel movies are getting nominated for animated films. <laughs> Good point, right? Good point. Uh, but I'm glad you liked it, dude. I, I thought it lived up to the yeah. hype. Did you have a uh, favorite line or a character? I, um, I think this is in one of the trailers, but I love during the 60 minutes interview when Leslie Stahl asks Mar- Marcel how long he's been alone for, and Marcel gives this long, profound answer about not reading time by the clocks and watching the leaves change and the flowers grow and feeling the immense weight. And then Leslie asks uh, Dean and he says, Oh, about two years. <laughs> <laughs> A bunch of good ones. If it is playing yeah. near you, I highly, highly, highly recommend Marshall. The it's shell so on. I'm very excited to see it again. It's, it's one right? that I'm eager to now that I've finally caught it. Nice. 
All right, let's shift over to streaming and open up Hulu, which probably had the biggest release, buzziest release uh, in terms so. of streamers over the weekend with Not Okay, the new movie starring Zoe Dutch about an ambitious young woman desperate for followers and fame who fakes a trip to Paris uh, while a terrifying terrorist attack is happening there and then fakes that she was there for the terrorist attack. It's a pretty interesting premise. Um, definitely sets up for a lot of like touchy issues. Art, how do you feel like not okay handled that, that interesting idea? Where'd you fall on I care a lot? I ultimately found like that was maybe a little bit too mean. Meaner than this? <laughs> well, so I think this, I liked the place that this ended up with its lead character. I, I agree. I saw some people who didn't like the ending. Really? I thought this was actually a very good ending. Okay. Yeah. This is a movie that begins with a premise, or sorry, a title that says, warning, you know, you might get a seizure. There's some other elements. Also, the <laughs> protagonist is a female and she's unlikable. And people were confused from that. And at first, like, I think people took that as like an actual content warning. And they didn't realize that was part right. of the creative process. Um, which is funny and corny at the same time. But I am not one who cares if the protagonist is unlikable or gets as dirty as they could possibly be. Because I think mm -hmm. that she embodied this character to perfection a person who does who wants nothing more than to be known and acknowledged and be famous in any way shape or form that is willing to say anything out of pocket recently uh netflix had that one um with rebel wilson where she ended up growing up a lot faster senior year so a lot of the juxtaposition was like i'm gonna say a joke from the 90s to see if it fits here uh right this is a movie that's able to take that vulgarity which that movie relied on as well to say something you're not supposed to say and just say it, have a character go, wait, what did you just say? And then just move on to the next thing because it showcases mm -hmm. how she views the world. I agree with you as well that there's two movies going on here. The one of the person who's willing to take advantage of a terrible situation. Um, yeah. Going as far as saying that her one of her biggest regrets in life is not being able to acknowledge 9-11 with everybody because she was on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> so she feels really bad. You know, she wasn't yeah. able to be there. It's... It, it's so funny because, like, I, I have it's seen bad, a though. lot of people. It's bad. That, that's the thing. A lot of people think that we're laughing with her and not laughing at the fact that there are people like her. That's the thing. And I think that that's sort of been the divide with people watching this movie is there's some people who, who maybe think because she's the protagonist, because she's Zoe Dutch, this actress that we, we like to root for, that the movie is asking us to root for her too. And, and while I do think the movie is asking us to like empathize with elements of her character. I don't think the movie is trying to say that she's a good person. I mean, one of the very no. first things she does in this movie is, is say to a group, uh, say, say to a black guy and a queer woman, like, oh, I, I wish I were a minority. It's like, so I think this I movie is very clear on what it thinks about Whoa. this person. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. I, I found that to be pretty interesting. I think it is a little bit like, it's it's not sure exactly how far it wants to go in certain aspects of that like problematicness of that unlikability of how glib it wants to be about uh, her taking advantage of this situation. But I don't know. I, I think 
Zoe Dutch is really good at these types of performances. She seems to really love playing these unlikable female protagonists. And she I does a think great job. she mostly carried me through this movie. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you. I think she's done a really good job. Uh, not too long ago, Buffalo was the one that really stood out to both of us, where she's doing the same thing. It's not a likable role where she's taking, uh, she becomes a debt collector, you know, and yeah. is trying to like finagle the system in that way. Uh, here is the same thing. It's just she realized another opportunity to be able to uh, make it. She saw Emily in Paris and said, I could do that, but better. Um, this yeah. is also the second time that she's worked with Dylan. Uh, recently they did the outfit together, which I had just pulled right. up here. Uh, I thought they were really good in that movie. They kind of play off mm-hmm. of each other all in one setting. So this was kind of interesting to see them in the dynamic of kind of like he's made it and he's, I think he said he was making fun of, uh, who's with the Kardashian right now? Oh, shoot. Pete Davidson. Uh, He's like, I'm doing my best, Pete Davidson. And I know a little James Franco because she came out in the interview run. I don't know if you heard her. She said, if there's one person, she's like, I think they were playing like uh, FMK. She's like, there's only one K I have in my life. And it's James Franco. He's trying (laughs) to embody every worst male aspect that she's probably dealt with uh, in Hollywood. Yeah. And then contrasting that with an actress who honestly is just. I don't want to say killed it, but she has been very solid in every movie that she's been in. Mia Isaac appears as someone who's in a support group who's kind of helping her pull the fight club thing where she's just taking notes off of what they're saying so she can take their trauma and then make content off of it. And Mia Isaac is a character who was in a school shooting. And because of that, she has become uh, sort of like a, I don't want to call it an influencer. It would be like an ambassador, someone who a lot of people are going to go see speak at these rallies um, and she becomes buddy-buddy with her. She just did a great job and don't make me go. She's been solid. It's it's funny because she's having one of those moments where it's like, oh, now you're just in everything, right? Yes. Uh, But it's like she's she's clearly talented and people are trying to find a place for her. And yeah, she's she's very, very good in this movie. Uh, We mentioned we both like the ending. The ending relies a lot on on her her really selling that moment more so than than Zoe. Um, And yeah, I I thought she was excellent in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I. I think a lot of people will be, will be split on the type of comedy that they're going for. There is a yeah. Hunger Games joke that is made in this movie that was so out of pocket, so uncalled for. <laughs> it made me laugh so hard. Uh, and it comes from a director, uh, writer-director, who previously had done Blame, and I know she started in it as well. Quinn Shepard is also in this movie. There is a sequence where she does another um, group talk. She is a director playing herself as a director who can't take the criticism. So I, 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 I like that type of uh, humor that she carries with her as well. So uh, if you're curious in catching this movie, it's on Hulu. I practically would give it a junior price if this actually had a theatrical run like it was originally supposed to have, considering it was a Fox movie. It's streaming at home. You could turn it off if it becomes a little too much to you. But I say give it a chance. Hulu yeah. also has Buffaloed. Give that a chance too. Uh, I think both of these were pretty funny. And like Zach was saying, you watch these movies going, why would you make it about her? Wouldn't you make it about somebody else? Isn't that the point? And I think the movie takes that question and uh, embodies it by the end of it. So uh, check it out. Not okay. And there's another time that I could shout it out, White Lie, because I will always shout out White Lie yeah. when we get stories like this uh, that loves to take a lie to the next level. Yeah. Um, 
definitely shout out White Line. Shout out Buffalo too. I think if you're looking just for like the best Zoe Dutch thing that you can stream right now, probably Buffalo would uh, still be my pick. Uh, but I would recommend Not Okay. Let's move on, though, to Honor Society, a new Paramount Plus comedy that stars Andrew Rice and Gaten Matarazzo from Stranger Things. You, got, you were able to catch this one. Tell me a little bit about it. Uh, Paramount Plus recently just had the one with uh, Breaking Bad. Paul, it was like Paul and Marge go large or something like that. And they're winning. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jerry and Marge go large. Jerry and Marge go large. Um with Cranston. Look, they continue to have these solid, practically matinee-type movies that you would have no problem it having a theatrical run, and they're going straight home. I think they've been a little bit more successful than Hulu's run right now. That has been the Fox-Hulu uh, things where they could ask, uh, maybe be a hit, maybe be something that you're surprised wasn't streaming from the jump. This would have done decently well. Uh, I really like Angry Rice. I think that she uh, has a really big future ahead of her. I think every performance that she's been in so far, she's really knocked it out of the park or has been able to bring something really good to it. I think one of the best ones still been the nice guys. Um, and that's right. She was oh, in that's her as well. Bro, okay, nice cool. guys. Spider-Man. She's she's the reporter in the most recent Spider-Man ones. Uh, she's in Mayor of Easttown. I'm pretty sure she's played a young Amy Adams because to me, She's the next Amy Adams. Uh, she breaks the fourth wall a lot in this movie as a very um, ambitious girl who's trying to make it to Harvard and realizes that she needs to take out three other people in this school. She doesn't even need the guidance counselor to tell her who it is. She knows who they are, and she's going to precisely attack them in a certain way so that their GPA falls, and she could be the only one who can make it to Harvard. Uh, that said, though, we're at that age now where Christopher Mintz Plass is now playing the guidance counselor, the creepy, oh, creepy geez. guidance counselor who just, you know, wants to be pleased so that he can get her into <laughs> where she needs to. Um, it, this is a movie that is another semi-dark comedy. It's not as dark as Vengeance and it's not as dark as uh, what we just covered in Not Okay. But there's still characters getting roofied in a high school movie. There is still characters uh, outing each other in this movie and all this back and forth in order to be able to make it uh, into college. And in particular, it's Angry Rice finding her biggest struggle to be Gatton's character, who is another really smart kid in this school who has his own backstory, but has never really been public with it uh, and how she interacts with him and maybe falls for him. Just the relationship that that they have going back and forth. Uh, But the whole movie relies on her. She's breaking the fourth wall constantly in the middle of a conversation. Everyone will freeze. She'll look at the camera and say something witty. Uh, And I think she handles that well. You know, you have the prime examples of something like the Wolf of Wall Street, right? Where Leo's able to carry it on his own. But then you also have some other really bad examples where someone will stop to narrate to the camera as like a cliche or because they can't really express what they want to. She's able to balance it off very well. Um, And I'd give the movie a rent. Uh, It's streaming on Paramount or Peacock, like we said. Paramount? Paramount. Paramount Um, Plus, yeah. Paramount Plus is only giving you one movie a month practically. So if you don't like Star Trek, this is your one movie for the month. Uh, I'm not sure what next year's is, but out of all of them, maybe not enough to justify the $9.99. But if you were renting it already at 6 bucks, it's worth catching it if you already have the service. Honor all right, Society. cool. So that's Honor Society over on Paramount Plus. Uh, just a couple more quick things on streaming that will hit. Shania Twain, Not Just a Girl, a new music documentary that hit Netflix. I caught 
uh, before this stream. And, you know, it's not necessarily anything that's going to be revolutionary. It's not like going to push the envelope in terms of documentary filmmaking. It's a pretty standard profile of the artist. Um, they have some interesting interviews. I know sometimes we get on this show and complain about like, oh, the talking heads weren't good. But like, I think the the celebrity talking heads in this one, even the ones that feel a little bit uh, maybe more random are not so random as to be like distracting or whatever. They could provide um, something. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes a, a celebrity does actually have some insight on it. So, um, and most of all, like this, do the documentary does focus on its interviews with Shania, right? Like you're getting a lot mm. of the story from her in a way that does illuminate a lot of what she went through in her career. Is it the deepest dive? No, not really. But like, if you're like me and you basically only know her through like, yeah, I, I recognize those songs. Uh, it, it definitely will, you know, give you a, a deeper understanding of who she was. Not anything that I would say go out of your way for, but if you are curious and maybe want to do a little bit of a, you know, if you don't want to do the Wikipedia reading and want to watch it, Does you it got Shania you. Twain, Not Just a Girl, on Netflix now. See, that's the thing. That's what it reminds me of. I have this one on my watch list, and I'm, I'm curious to watch it. It reminded me of Cheryl, which I had seen at South By, these 90-minute right. docs of these women who have a story that's way more than 90 minutes. Um, right. But I think you put it perfectly. It's the wiki done for you on a streaming service. So I'll be exactly. sure to check this one out. And some people prefer to consume stuff that way. So it's there and it's, it's not bad. It's there. So, all right. Uh, but something that's on HBO max and is actually pretty good is Very we met good. in virtual reality. Both of us had this as one of our favorite films out of this year's Sundance film festival. Uh, I know that you had a chance to go back and see some interviews and dive a little bit deeper. Uh, what are some of the things you've caught up with on we met in virtual reality? Um, this one's on HBO, so for those of you who may not know anything about it, yeah. it is pretty much a filmmaker who went into VR during the pandemic and was going to do this even regardless of the pandemic and quarantine. He set up his own cameras and everything in VR and caught these people and how they lived there. And listening mm -hmm. to the interviews now that he's out and he's been doing a lot more press runs, it's just so fascinating that we're in this era of Web3 and even more than that, you know, the NFTs and just VR worlds. Nope, in particular, has a sequence, very small bit where the characters are wearing VR headsets. And I come to find out they have an, enti an entire world in VR. There was some stuff in mm -hmm. the movie and one, one of my, my rewatches I didn't know. And I, Jordan Peele says, oh, go get the Horizon VR. You'll be able to explore the world and figure out those Easter eggs we weren't able to put in the movie. This man has realized that. And he said, let me make like the initial dock of this world. Look at what these people have made here. Look at these proposals, these heartbreaks, uh, these families, these friends that have been made in here. And it's just been so engaging to see how he's been able to not just work on this project, which I highly recommend, but just the business side of VR, the ethics of VR, the economy of VR, what's in the future for it. And I think we're in that era where uh, before the industry is created, everyone's going to be there trying to set the rules. And I hope that he gets a really big say in it because I love his approach to it. Uh, and he realizes all the possibilities that can come with something like this. I just, I, I still love him talking about his virtual lenses. <laughs> it's just the yeah. funniest well, thing the to thing. me, dude. It, that's the thing that like, I don't think we understood that going in that this, this is like literally filmed 
in yes, virtual like, reality that that he has know? a virtual camera which is pretty insane uh we were going back and watching it and it looks like there might be multiple camera setups at some points in the Stop. documentary there's a too. point in the doc where he catches the other cameras and it makes me like smile because i'm like he's yeah. actually doing a little production crew in the vr world so yeah, yeah. That's, that's why it's fascinating to see how he's trying to see how this industry is going to be built you know where are the vr gaffers <laughs> The VR grips. <laughs> it's great. I don't know. It's really yeah. cool. I would highly recommend this doc uh, and a lot of his other previous work because this is a dude who's dedicated uh, to a lot of virtual reality uh, experiences and such. And I really do think, I've been saying this for a while, I think it's going to be one of the next big steps, even if it's just kind of like an addition to a movie, kind of like I was saying with the world that they created, Nope. Um, there will be short stories. There will be games, a lot of en- uh, engaging content that I think will be the next way to experience a lot of these stories. So. Catch that one on HBO. Yeah, we met in virtual reality. Let's move on to the TV series that we want to talk about, starting with the new Peacock show, The Resort. This is a show about a couple exploring life and weird things happening in a resort that they're vacationing at, uh, starring Kristen Milioti, William Jackson Harper, and a, a bunch of other people that I like in like smaller roles. Skylar Gazondo, who's so great in Booksmart and Licorice Pizza, has a pretty big part here. Uh, Nick Offerman shows up. My man Ben Sinclair show, not only shows up, but directs the first three episodes. Uh, a big step up for the really? guy from High Maintenance. Yeah, he directed the first three. Uh, But also, as we mentioned on last week's show, this is a show that is created and show ran by former Intercut guest Andy Ciara of writing Palm Springs fame. So you have somebody who's already done this kind of blend of comedy and more existential elements, maybe. Here, it's a pretty cool uh, mix of this couple who is... finding themselves a little bit listless in their 10-year relationship on this trip, stumbling into a true crime conspiracy of uh, missing people, washed up dead bodies, and an abandoned hotel. So far, I've found it to be very compelling. Art, how do you, uh, Art, what do you think about the first three episodes that Peacock just released? I really like the characters, man. If you're going to put... yeah these two in a world together it's gonna be really hard to not you know like connect with them she killed it in palm springs uh mm-hmm. he recently i think he's like in season two of made for love um yeah he is not made for, of course it, i love made him for from, love, right from I, no not made for love uh shoot it's the anna kendrick one yeah love life there's so many love might just made be called for love, love is life. hers that's the one that she has on hbo that's Max. Right. um but they do a really good job playing off of each other and i yeah. think that there's a, a, a very love... interesting mystery going on in the background that keeps you mm-hmm. engaged especially as they're they're uh timeline hopping between what would have happened to them in the early 2000s i want to say it's like the late 2000s where the kids yeah. go missing and then how that relates to them on the brink of their relationship after what was it 10 years as they describe you're on that 10 year relationship that means that you're finally getting to know each other uh as mm-hmm. they go through this whole journey but no I, I i've been really enjoying uh the first three episodes i technically finished it so i don't want to speak ahead to what happens yeah. to it but uh i would highly recommend uh the first three that have come out so far yeah i mean i like you said 
they're lucky that they have these two really electric performers in the lead roles. I think Kristen Milati and William Jackson Harper are just some of the people who bring me the most joy to see on screen right now. And I think what's also fun is they kind of let them be dorks with each other. You know, Mm -hmm. they're, they're not just doing the true crime solving. They're also like having different, you know, bits and like goofing off and being silly with each other as people who are in a 10 year relation relationship probably would at points. Um, I don't know. I, there's just a vibe to the show that I'm really enjoying right now. It's got a little bit of like search party, but there's also something a little bit mister, more mysterious going on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, th- there's like an opening quote about time travel and they keep kind of blending these, you know, like doing fades between timelines. I don't know. I feel like there's still like some tricks up its sleeve and you've probably seen what those tricks are. I don't want to, I don't want to get you into spoilers, but it, it makes me curious to go on with the show. So, you know, there hasn't been a whole lot pulling me towards Peacock and this is probably one of the better offerings I've, I've seen from them thus far. Yep. And it's going to be going weekly. So if you were a white Lotus fan who likes the mysteries of something bad mm. going on in a resort, mm. then check this one out over on Peacock. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's also keep up with TV shows heading over to Paper Girls on Prime. This is the latest comic book adaptation hitting Amazon streaming service art. You said you caught uh, most of the first season, all the first season? Half so far. We had done the episodes early, um, but I needed to see this in that crisp 4K because I'm a big fan of the graphic novels. Uh, Brian K. Vaughn did the graphic novels. He's one of my favorites. Literally, uh, right here, I got a little other one that he's done called the Saga. You know, just a decent little comic book writer over there. Paper Girls is a very engaging story where you have these five different girls who uh, begin as, you know, the ones who are passing out the newspaper to their town and then these mysterious purple lights happen that cause maybe a timeline shift. Uh I think the show has done a really good job of adapting the the, the pages, um, and I'm very curious to see how they're going to expand it. Again, I haven't wrapped up the first season, but I have buddies who worked on the show because they filmed here in the suburbs of Chicago, and I know that they said that if this show doesn't do good, then they're not bringing it back for a second season. Like, it's already... Mm. Like, they spent a lot of money on it, and it needs to pop off. So it kind of <laughs> sucks that it's all dropped at once, because again, it... Would, right. I mean, I saw four episodes. That's a good amount considering the show just came out. Once you dump it like that, if it doesn't get the, the push, it doesn't get the push. So I'm, I'm hoping that uh, it's able to kind of garner an audience, even if it's just sitting there. But Prime's never really yeah. been one where a month into it, people go, oh, my gosh, look at this gem. On Prime, it either has to hit or it doesn't. So I would say give this one a shot. I think that the uh, cast does a good job playing their uh, comic book counterparts, um, you know, they're building the chemistry with each other. I can't really say like they, they click because that's the whole point. They find themselves right. in the scenario together and they're like struggling to work uh, into it. I've just been so annoyed with people calling this uh, prime stranger things. <laughs> no, just because it takes place. In, no. It's is this 80s. also like more young adult skewing or, or is there stuff for everybody you feel like? Oh, no, I, th- I mean, it's definitely young adult it's skewed for that but it's for everybody because it's got the 80s bit you know it's right you you could follow a young adult if you're a young adult but they're gonna be doing the stuff that the adults who were raised in the 80s know uh but it's also just like a really good kind of like a mystery that's going on Hmm. uh i I really like a lot of the parallels that they do to the comics and a lot of the imagery which is why i want to i want to see it continue uh and i hope it continues because it's going to need that budget 
this is yeah. a sci-fi series and it needs that budget to come with it but um yeah i would highly recommend what i've seen so far of it i would highly highly recommend the graphic novel if you haven't caught that like i say it's always like on hoopla sign up uh for a library card you could read it it's very very good read all <laughs> the brian k vaughn stuff that's probably he's easily he's not even tough he's top three of my favorite comic book writers of all time so nice that should show you how much i i was anticipating this show because <laughs> it's probably the top one, bro, three for the, me why the last man it's better than Why the oh, Last Man, man. I guess. If we're going to compare something, it's better than Why the Last Man. Uh, yeah, I haven't wanted to bring that up. I know that one's a little bit uh, a sore subject sore. for I you. Know. Yeah. Brian K. Vaughn's probably top three for me, too, but that's only because I don't read a lot of comic books, and I have read some of his. But that so. says something, though, you know? Yeah. That he yeah. he still makes it out, out there. So He's broke through. Easily. Paper Girls on Prime. Give it a watch. All already there to binge. Eight episodes. All right, let's shift over to Netflix, where they've just unveiled their new limited series, Keep Breathing. This is starring Melissa Barrera, who I remember most from In the Heights. Uh, She boards a small plane that crashes in the middle of the Canadian wilderness and must battle the elements as well as her brain and her memories Mm. are... For some reason, this one's still titled "Just Breathe" on IMDb, even though it's IMDb. It's "Keep Breathing" and it's, it's it's out. I don't know. This was a movie at one point. That's how it was logged, and it was completed. It feels like to, that. We had to delete it from a new to see later on, and then yeah, it turns out it's "Breathe," aka "Keep Breathing," aka maybe DOA out on Netflix. There's a lot of these out there. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. Uh, so yeah i mean i think what you get is a pretty standard survival show in that you know this woman without necessarily the resources has to pull together scrap together whatever she can to try and keep herself uh alive while you know in the middle of the wilderness uh there is sort of this other element going on in that she's got these personal demons that are are making it a little more difficult for her to go about her her surviving but i just feel like ultimately this is not very novel territory like i i don't know i've maybe haven't seen someone like melissa barrera in a, a film like this but i i have seen a lot of films like this and i don't know if there's un- enough stuff to really like recommend. I feel like with films with films or shows like this, you want to see like, Oh, I didn't realize like that's something you could do to survive or like, Oh, that's Mm. a really interesting trauma to try and reconcile with. And it just sort of feels a little too familiar to, to engage me in keep. You got the bears grill. Netflix already has that version of right. the VR or what is it? The AR thing where you get to pick your own adventure. You're going to learn something there here. You're mm-hmm. just going to be like, there she is doing her thing, surviving. Yep. And I agree with you. It's yep. definitely one of those vehicles where you are just experiencing the, uh, kind of disaster survival tactic thriller that she's going through while they're trying to mix almost like a uh, maid, which they previously found a lot of success in, got the Emmy nominations for that in terms of a daughter trying to reconcile uh, how they were brought up because of their mom when they may be having a child uh, in the horizon. Um, I mean, she does what she needs to do here. It's definitely a showcase of like, look at me out in the wilderness soaking wet. Mm -hmm. Can I do what I need Mm -hmm. to do? And yeah, she kills it for that aspect. Uh, It's six episodes, which is why I say that it probably should have been a film and we continue to do this thing where we don't want to cut it down. So let's just divide it up and call it a series. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think I, I think it's, it, it overstays its welcome a little bit. But uh, the second half of it, I think, plays at those themes of motherhood and wondering if you're going to continue that same trauma that was given on to you. But again, if you're on Netflix, unless the survival desert or lost island thrillers uh, pique your interest, man, go watch Russian Doll. You know, go go. <laughs> if the themes are what you're looking for, we definitely know that there's going to be a lot of other ones out there that hit it. But yeah. if you're a Melissa fan, yeah, have at it. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I feel like there's just more original stuff you could be watching. For but sure. it's it's not it's not incompetent. It's not bad. It's just a little bit, a little bit of the more of the same. It's in every language you need it to be on Netflix. <laughs> Let's talk about Light and Magic over on Disney+. Plus. I haven't had a chance to check this one out yet, but I'm definitely excited to check out this showcase of Industrial Light and Magic, the special effects division of Lucasfilm responsible for many of the Everything? great innovation, innovations in visual effects, film technology, just about any Shh. iconic... <laughs> computer generated visual you can think of probably came out of here art you have had a chance to watch some of it what do you think of the light and magic series for disney plus you know that you can catch something that looks like a commercial it's practically an ad for the company you know that they're not going to be telling you truths they're going to give you the history of what they want you to know so that it's cemented in history and sometimes it just comes off really engaging and interesting because you're hearing it from the people who have created some of the most iconic imagery of all time. Think of a movie. They probably did it. Like literally think of the most iconic shots in the past, what, 30, 40 years. They're all responsible for it. This is another one. You were talking about talking heads. When the talking heads are George Lucas, Jimmy Cameron, <laughs> you're going to want to hear what they have to say. So uh, I would highly recommend this. Uh, it's, I think, six episodes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It's so cool to see them discuss how they went about approaching some of these things. <laughs> Steven Spielberg's in it. You want to hear Steven talk about how to make movies? <laughs> right. You know, It's people who have won back-to-back Oscars. It's people who have been able to not just create uh, imagery, but the process of like what leads to it, you know, like I always think the, the sound effects in T2 in order to really get the T1000 to sound the way that it does, it wasn't this crazy sound effect. It was just dog food or cat food being squeezed out of a canister. <laughs> and that's exactly the noise they needed it. So it's, it's that type of documentary that gives you the nitty gritty, not just of these people and how they got into the industry, but what they do once they're in there. Um, I don't want to call it shortcuts, but the tips and tricks that they make. Uh, definitely check this one out. But then also keep on the horizon because I was telling Zach, I was watching the whole first episode. And it took me a while to realize, oh, that's Dennis Murin way older. Dennis Murin, uh, probably one of the biggest VFX people in the industry, has won so many Oscars. And is one of the <laughs> biggest people brought up in one of my favorite documentaries from South By. Uh, a little doc called Spaz, which is about one of the yeah. artists who worked at ILM. And this documentary is him venting about everything he had to go through there. So Light and Magic is is the best version of everything that happened in ILM. And then Spaz is one of the employees' perspectives. The dark so I would side. Say, yeah, I would highly recommend both of them. Uh, put them both yeah. in your radar because it's just always fascinating to see the uh, behind the scenes to the industry, the business. Yeah, um, especially you know, what, if you're, what, if what you're, if you're interested enough 
in film to be watching, you know, our weekend must watch, then you're, you're obviously going to find stuff worthwhile in something like this. Like it's not just a profile of something interesting. It's a profile of the people behind so many iconic films. So, uh, yeah, we, maybe we are kinder to something like light and magic than we would be something like the Shania Twain documentary. But like, there's a good reason for that, given that we're talking about film on this podcast. Mm Mm-hmm. Plus, they also made it a series, so already they know what they've got. <laughs> but yeah, check yeah. it out. Highly absolutely, recommend. absolutely. All right. Uh, favorite. Back on Netflix, <laughs> Uncoupled, uh, the new Darren Star show starring you, Neil Patrick Harris as a man who, uh, after a 17-year relationship, is suddenly left. Uh, I was a little curious about this one because Darren Star is, you know, an iconic creator of TV shows, whether that dates back to his work on Melrose Place and 90210, or more recently in uh, doing stuff like Sex in the City and Emily in Paris. And given that that's his track record, uh, that he and he's a, a gay man, I was curious, oh, this is actually a show about a gay man. What, what's going to go on here? What's, what's, the, what's the deal? And it's just like... It's still Emily in Paris tone. It's still Sex in the City dialogue. It's just like got this lack of believability and authenticity that I just don't jive with in this format. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. It's not that it's not that it's like particularly bad or whatever. It's just that like they they'll be touring an apartment and that's when Neil Patrick Harris will tell his business partner oh you you must be feeling better than me after my husband of 17 years left me and it's like that's not how people act or talk, talk or like the anything the, the yeah and it's not funny enough to justify that either so 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 what are we doing what are we doing here uh this just came out to me like the Neil Patrick Harris Mid, mid midlife crisis uh it's my yeah, man's show. going you know i got kids uh i got a husband but he still kind of wants to go through like his little uh horny face i guess because it's really <laughs> all it comes off of it, it's him yeah. you know still looking as good as he does for his age he is showing you every every part of him it almost feels like a lot of the elements of the show are designed for neil patrick harris to flaunt something so they find a way in the show for him to have to take a dick pic they find a way in the show for him to I don't know, be bathing or whatever it is. And you know what? Good for him. Right. It's a nice flex for him. Um, I did like uh, some of the comedy that they had in there. Again, like you said, it's a very specific. Not, is it a it's is broad. It sitcom? It's sitcom. Yeah, it's right? sitcom. It's broad yeah. comedy. Yeah. So uh, Tisha Campbell, who, I mean, I know her from Martin and my wife and kids. You know, she's able to bring yeah. some on there. She's really just like yeah, the best funny. friend. Yeah, who's playing off of Neil Patrick Harris all the time. Um, but she and Neil Patrick yeah. Harris are very, they're very gifted sitcom actors, but they, but it's still like sitcom writing and, and it doesn't transcend that. And sitcom look. What yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easily. Right? Yeah. I but, don't know. Hey, like, if you're curious, yeah. it's not bad. That's the. It's not. It's definitely not like a disaster, but it's not a thing to go out of your way for. We're but also not 45 year old game <laughs> right. And and but as you were alluding like to very, too, it does feel a little bit like a like a vanity project for for Neil and maybe Darren as well. It. Yeah. But uncoupled yeah. if you're interested in it. It didn't get the worst reviews, so check that comedy no. out on Netflix. 
All right, one last thing on Netflix, The Most Hated Man on the Internet. This is a new docu-series that follows the story of the woman who stood up to Hunter Moore, the self-proclaimed professional life ruiner behind the website Is Anyone Up? Uh, Art, this is a three-part docu-series that I think sticks to the Netflix mold of how they like to do these true crime sensation phenomena type of things. I caught the first one. I think you said that you caught the first two. Mm -hmm. What did you think about the most hated man on the internet? Um, Again, two hours, 42 minutes. Trim it a little bit. You got yourself a regular doc. A regular doc, Zach. Think about this. Right. A a, a limited series. A feature length movie. A feature length movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. It's it's the same model that they do for everything else. They find something disgusting and they go like, "Isn't it disgusting that people looked at this? Let me package yes. it. Look at it." Yeah, it's like, aren't you aren't you scandalized by all these videos we're getting you to watch and and keep watching and here isn't this stuff upsetting? But isn't it fun? But also upsetting, but fun. I mean, good thing he did it right because then you guys wouldn't have content, right? Okay, he doesn't exist. Good they- thing the next one for next week, you guys. It's that. That's all it is. Um, I will say the best part yeah. of it is that they give a lot of the women the ability to speak. Um, and Zach, mm-hmm. then they spoke. Did you get to butthole girl, Zach? <laughs> yeah, that's in that's in episode one. You ever he- get somebody to like actually say something, and you're like, man, they're speaking. They fi- this is finally them being able to say their truth, and they just embarrass that poor girl. What they do on this yeah. Netflix show is. I don't know how it could be worse than what she did on the website, but y'all still found a way to embarrass her. No, but it's it's a little bit y'all like you remember that, that y'all remember like the the fire festival dude who everybody was like, and I'm not I'm not talking about the guy who scammed everybody, but the guy who who was willing to do things do for Evian. We know the meme, yeah. You know, it's just like. Sometimes you're doing this stuff oh, not because you're example. telling the story. That's the best example, yes. You're not just telling the story. You're trying to, like, play into the scandal. And ultimately, like, how does that make you very different than, than Hunter Moore? Um, I don't know. I, I guess, like, yeah, that they have a place for the women to tell their stories and, and everything. It's just... I I just find this whole treatment to be a little bit trashy. And yes, it's very like watchable. It's very easy to consume, but it's also that it, it like, I feel like if you let Netflix autoplay, it'll just put you into the next true crime doc and there'll be nothing like visually or tonally to like tell you that the story has changed. They all do this thing now where they, bar- they steal the Errol Morris thing and have people look directly into the camera. <sighs> Zach, how did Dick Johnson is dead do? <laughs> Man, like they they can't push out the the good stuff once in they, a while. They put it out there. It did not receive what it wanted to. They go, "Okay. Lesson learned. More of the most hated man on the internet then." Yeah. And like it's the it just makes me feel bad too because it's like I I start watching it and it's like I don't want this content I don't want you to make more of this but I'm I'm now watching it so you're gonna feed me more of it someone should make a movie about the spectacle the problem (laughs) the spectacle of Hollywood that would be a good I would watch that one yeah make a Netflix documentary about the industry of shitty Netflix documentaries. I can't even play the trailer. I got to submit my data here. So I think we're done with the most hated man on the internet. Yeah. Yeah.
Another one of those. Most hated man on this podcast today, for sure. <laughs> All right, so that's what we've been watching. Let us know what you're watching in the live stream comments or the comments down below. Or if you're listening to us in an audio format, hey, maybe shoot us a quick email, intercutpod at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on social media, at intercutpod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, even Patreon. A lot of places to find us and let us know what you are watching. Got a couple quick things to hit in yay or nay. Let's start it off with this story about the lawsuit over a Bridgerton musical. Art, you were telling me a little bit about this before we got on air. Uh, Why don't you explain what's going on between Netflix and uh, this this duo? We're going to have to cancel our Russian doll miniseries. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> made out of puppets. Netflix has realized that people can make unofficial musicals, and as long as I think they said it was under a hundred bucks, forty bucks, there's a certain price range where I guess you can perform a concert and it's okay. But the moment they got packages, the moment they're selling a thousand dollars a seat, it became a problem. And uh, I guess over in New York, there was this really big performance that started blowing up. Uh, I think they're known as Barlow and Bear. Uh, interestingly enough. They've been shared by Netflix in the past, so it's like there's like this interesting creative thing there where they've been acknowledged by the company, um, but then they've got acknowledged by too many people with a lot of green, and uh, yeah, now Netflix is looking to shut that down because if it's money that they can make, I exactly. think, uh, yeah, they're going to own that IP, so that's interesting, but obviously Netflix is going to win. I think there's no other way to put it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it reminds me a little bit of um, the, what was it, the TikTok Ratatouille musical that, like, Disney sort of, like, allowed but kind of didn't allow fully. Yes. And, um, and Netflix here is definitely taking, like, a harder line. It's, it's funny because it's like, you know, especially with the proliferation of all these different places for uh, regular people, quote-unquote, quote-unquote, uh, quote to... Uh, make stuff there is all this fan made content about other properties that yes it does serve as like free advertising for those companies but it also is a way for these people to launch their own careers or potentially make their own money and And that's when you know it's like oh well you can't really make make money off of our stuff if you're not going to give us a slice apparently and you know i i don't know it's um, I, I, I guess I, I get it, but it is this weird world we're living in where they will accept the, the free user generated content as long as they're not that. too successful, too successful. They had no problem with them when they thought they were just a joke. They said, Oh, whatever. Supposedly yeah. they even pitched it to Netflix to try to do something. And they were like, ah, eh, whatever. Hmm. You know, they acknowledged them when they had a little viral moment there, but then yeah, it started making money and that got shut down real quick. So it'll, it'll be interesting considering that I don't think that Netflix has gone that approach with a lot of the content they've made, but neither here nor there. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, the other one was still dealing with Netflix. Something that is kind of on the defense is them getting nominations for I Think You Should Leave Now, which rightfully so. But because of how short it is, it's not even considered to be a full-length episode or series so that it can compete uh, for acting awards. So if there's any funny actor from this from that show, they cannot get nominated unlike something that is SNL, who has gotten nominations, not just in the big categories, but in a category. There are no categories that exist for these short 
uh, what they call it, short, um, short form, short form content. So there's no way to even compete or to be acknowledged. That kind of sucks. Big name for me. <sighs> yeah, I mean it's bizarre too because it's like I don't think that they should be competing in the best comedy category alongside you know like Steve Martin or whoever. And I agree with you. But at the but at the same time, you're right. Like Kate McKinnon, Bowen Yang are getting in there in the supporting actor Why? and supporting actress categories. Make a sketch one. I, like it, it, that's the thing is like maybe maybe they do have to make a separate sketch category. But at the same time, it's like all right. So what? We're just nominating SNL every single year. I think you should leave a Black Lady Sketch Show get in because there's like what's there's the, what's just the, not what's that the much competition. Bro- What's the library uh, variety sketch one right now? It's been Black Lady Sketch Show and SNL for the last five years. And before that, it was SNL and whatever the other variety was. It's still the same yeah. thing, but there are variety shows. You can include the late night stuff. You can include a bunch of other things. They just don't want to, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's that, that they've separated this out for short form, um, which is yeah. also silly, too, because like think- it, it's, it's I think you should leave going up against you know, a, a Stephen Colbert sub-segment, a that Late Night with Seb Sires so sub-segment, Carpool Karaoke, which is a spinoff of James Corden. That's not right. And the Randy Rainbow Show. That's which, not right. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it's just it's just weird. I think it's trouble. I have a lot of, like, empathy for the situation the Emmys are in, in that TV is so fractured and... It's not like you can just be like best actor in a lead role, right? Like you can't, they don't, you either, you just simplify it and there's only 12 categories that all the different TV shows compete for, or you, you know, break it out and there are like 150 categories. And then we have a category that's going to end up just being performances from I think you should leave or something. I don't know. I agree. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I agree with you. But hey, I mean, the Emmys do have stunts, so it's not like... Uh, I, I see them finding a way, but you're right. We need a couple more prolific uh, sketch variety type shows, you know, unless Key and Peele are coming back or there's more Comedy right. Central or stuff like that, Adult Swim type things, <clears throat> then they will actually have a good repertoire. Um, I think you build a medium, no? You make it a platform that people can compete in and more voices will be coming forth. So True. I, I see it. Exactly. If people know they can get awards for it, they will make content for it. Just ask, uh, what was it, uh, Megan, who did like that an Emmy for Megan short sh- series that actually got her an Emmy? Literally, you know, uh, Kiki Palmer was talking about it in the No Press Tour that she had done something on Instagram. And then it was Facebook who said, we really like that. I like the different personations that you do. She won an yeah. Emmy. She won an go. Emmy. So, yeah, it'll be curious to see how they expand on that. I have a question for you, though. Shoot. What would the rehearsal be nominated in? Um, I think that's variety show or do- documentary comedy. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think Nathan Fielder can get an acting nomination, is even though maybe cool, he should. Is there an arrogance category, Zach? Because that is what Ooh, the people maybe are saying about be. the rehearsal. It turns out that Nathan <laughs> Fielder's The Rehearsal did not do a rehearsal to see what the reviews or the backlash, the response would be to people figuring out... Uh, what a Nathan Fielder is. That's been very fascinating to see. It's like when someone figures out what Eric Andre does for a living. Um, That has happened recently with a lot of the backlash or just just comments that have come out from the rehearsal uh, as it's been going weekly. I don't know if you think that plays a factor to it at all. 
Um, per- perhaps, yeah. I mean, I think it's also just like the glow up from moving from Comedy Central to HBO. Like suddenly you have new eyes on ah, you and maybe okay. like that's there's it. a new that's like, it. oh, this is prestige or something rather than just some silly comedy. Because it's also like, like Jackass was cruel to people too, but it was also like over on the, the silly cable networks. It wasn't on HBO for a long time. Is that what it um, is? Because Eric Andre with, with, with uh, Bad Trip, same thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's there's maybe just like a dismissiveness about some people uh, or, or like some places where comedy is made and that maybe that Nathan is is on this new level and people are now crowning it to be like, oh, this is the new genius show out there that we are getting this bigger or louder backlash to the type of comedy he does. A lot of people now calling it manipulative and calling it cruel and mean. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I ultimately, the place that I... Um, end here or, or th- that I fall on this argument I've remember I think I read the interview maybe I watched the interview but he was talking about how in different situations he'll enter the the conversation not yet knowing if he's going to be the idiot or play opposite the idiot uh, he probably used a better kinder word than I did but like He's not going into every conversation trying to make a fool out of the person. And oftentimes he will be the person to make himself look like the fool. There's plenty of people on the rehearsal who end up looking very decent, very kind. Even some of the people he makes fun of, I think he takes the time to show aspects of them that are decent and good. But the the way I ultimately think about this is like, they're signing a release form. They know the cameras are on them. Like yeah. just behave a way that you would want people to see you behave. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, the politics that have already gone into it. There is a, yeah, there's a method to it. Um, mm-hmm. Look, I'm, I, I like the show. I like Nathan for you. I like the style that he goes for. And it's kind of like you were saying, can Same. you prank a regular person? And that's okay. But you put them through the idea of maybe going through a prank that doesn't come off as a prank, but it's maybe you raising a child. Then all of a sudden, that's a little too manipulative. It's like you can you can make someone believe that the house just fell apart or that they're getting arrested. That doesn't right. cross a line. But going into someone's house and making them believe that they may win a trivia show or so, yeah, it, it's a weird way, and that's why I've seen some people praise the show as it being like a new way of we are judging it as a prank series, or I feel some people are yeah. judging it as a prank series. But some people are looking at it as reality TV restructuring itself. Mm. Some people are seeing this as like a prank show with a sketch show at the same time. Um, right. I'd say the biggest criticism that has come out of it that I, I will agree with, and I'm someone who likes the show uh, and likes yeah. Nathan Fielder, is that he does at the end have ultimate say. You were bringing up. He decides what he's going to be. Is he going to be the smart one or the dumb one? Yeah. But he still has more say when it comes to the edit. When it comes to what's finally mm-hmm. going to be put out there, that's that's a big sequence. I don't think that episode's come out yet in the rehearsal where a big moment comes down and someone tells him, you have final say on how this is going to go. And it's kind of yeah. true. Uh, and that goes all the way up to the setups. Um, so I could see that being a critique. But I see the uncomfortableness and the viral tweets as being one of the funniest things. I don't know if you saw the one yeah. that said... Nathan Fielder has kidnapped me and has made me raise his child. And now he has let me go into the wilderness 10 years later. And I have no idea that the next person I'm about to meet is that child grown up. They're practically saying that he's old boy. He's old boiling people from right. this jump. Um, it's, it's just fascinating to see TikTok realize 
who Nathan Fielder is because uh, yeah, I'd say he's still pretty tame compared to some of the other um, stuff that's out there, especially on Adult Swim. Yeah, and I think there's also been this criticism of the show as if it's it's just sort of like done just for the sake of being funny. And I think there are greater ideas there. I do think he's trying to say things about like how we, how we, the anxieties we have, how we build certain things up in our head versus how they are in reality. You know, I showed my mom the first episode and she used to practice uh, psychology and she said, this is a lot like rational emotive therapy. And it's like, there's a lot of, really interesting stuff happening in the show beyond just how funny I find it. So I don't know. I I think there's some people who are comparing the show unfavorably to stuff that Sasha Baron Cohen does. And I, although, Um. although their goals are different, I think they achieve similar ideas in terms of what they say about humans and people and humanity. I agree with you. I think they're fans of each other. Yeah. I, I would assume so, given uh, how similar they are in certain ways. It It's still a great show, man. Uh, this week ended in a way that I found, you know, harsh, but... Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and look, man, it's... No one, no one is doing it quite like Nathan, so it's... I don't know. It's, it's, it's still the most interesting thing on TV right now to me. How to with John Wilson or the rehearsal? I go to the rehearsal. I love How To with John Whoa. Wilson. But I, oh, we're judging just off season Man. ones? We've, how To. <laughs> we've been going back and watching all the Nathan For Yous, too. It's, he's so funny, man. It's, it's unreal. The dumb Starbucks stuff was just ridiculous. <laughs> uh, but that would be <laughs> it for the yay or nay. You yeah. actually did have another one. You had a Vice interview here uh, with the dude who kept oh, pointing yeah, out the repeating numbers. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just a funny follow-up on the rehearsal stuff that uh, Gita Jackson over at Vice spoke to that dude from episode two of the rehearsal who uh, briefly entered into the rehearsal of trying to raise a child. And, And I think it speaks to a little bit about how sometimes people feel like they've been manipulated by the show. But at the same time, like, this dude is... I, I think I think this dude reveals himself to be the guy who we saw even in this interview. So I'll just leave it at that. You I heard guess. his brother? Uh, but bef- <laughs> yeah, his, his brother, brother came went out? out on Twitter. That's bad. Uh, so maybe it is a yeah, public service announcement you got for your people. Family. If if the brother of this dude had to come out and be like, "I'm glad it's finally caught on camera that he's right. <laughs> he's not a person you want to be around." Yeah. That's an exactly. I feel HBO. like streaming on HBO. My exactly. <laughs> I think ultimately that's the thing that Nathan does end up revealing people for for who they are. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen. That's yep. that's his bit right there. All right. So before we get into the new to see, we would like to thank the Intercuity Plus patrons, those wonderful Ooh. people supporting the show. They are Ewan, Julieta, Garrett, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, Marion, Michael, D.A. and Matt. I think Julieta is also with us on the live stream. We got our Academy level members, members as well. Tushar, Cademan, Connor, Pete, Sean, who I saw in the live stream earlier, May and Ricky. And then, of course, a big thank. Thanks to our producer level patrons. Ooh. They are Awkward and Udenvir. 
Thanks again for all the support. And a reminder that you too can become a member at patreon.com slash intercutpod where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to intercut episode outlines, access to private channels on the intercut discord, and an invitation to our monthly patron Google meetings. We just had a really fun patron uh, monthly meeting that we put up, put up over on our Instagram. You can go see that and see how much fun we're all having, laughing, smiling, having a wonderful time discussing <laughs> movies and, and debating about whether or not uh, Andrew, Alex Garland's latest was good. I think that's, I think that was the biggest argument in the last live stream or the last We all agreed at the end. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to the new to see and talk about what's coming up this week. Starting with tonight, Industry returns for season two over on HBO. I know Ricky uh, on the live stream is excited to be checking that out. I've been wanting to catch up on Industry. I've been hearing a lot of good things about that show. Uh, (laughs) The buzz is that it's it's succession for horny people. So that sounds good to me. Uh, I will probably be watching that. Okay, then. Uh, August 2nd, Gone in the Night hits VOD and digital. We talked this, about this one recently because it hit theaters. It used to be called The Cow. It's got Winona Ryder, John Gallagher Jr., and Dermot Mulrooney. Uh, I thought this one was like okay at South by Southwest. Not my right. favorite. Uh, and then over on Peacock, The Hillside Strangler, Devil in Disguise, a mm. four-part docu-series. They're advertising this one heavily, so well, I think they want it to be I a, think it's a the only true thing crime out. hit. <laughs> God, uh, might Ugh. be might be it's bad august august 3rd clusterfuck woodstock 99 comes to netflix <laughs> i mostly changed the title i mostly bro. mentioned this one because they just did this one on uh they hbo did. they just did woodstock 99 yes i yeah i and i had just seen that one too it is disgusting so i'm curious what more disgusting stories you can come up with but uh yeah i wasn't that familiar with Woodstock 99 it is a mm-hmm. mess uh, but I find it funny yeah. that they changed the name now it's Trainwreck Woodstock 99 oh it's not Clusterfuck <laughs> anymore it, it's right under there on the IMDB it says TV miniseries original so title funny. I guess they had to change it you know the SEO <laughs> exactly right you can't get that uh, you can't get it if it's got the curse word in there uh August 3rd, Lightyear finally hits Disney Plus. If you didn't want to make the trip to theaters to catch Pixar's latest, it's going to be available at home. I think we were both like mildly positive on Lightyear, right? Like it's the animation is really beautiful. Now that it's on Disney Plus, it's probably worth your time. Oh, it's the best place to check it out there. Yeah. Yeah. Reservation Dogs starts season two over on Hulu. It's got a two episode premiere and then weekly episodes. Nice. Um, I think we both really enjoyed that first season. It's kind of kind of interesting, different comedy. But I'm curious to see what they're gonna uh, what it's gonna do now that they've like really found their legs. Their I feel dynamic like the, is the really cool. The back yeah. half, the back half of the first season really got into some like melancholic, um, you know, at, we, weird stuff. So I'm curious what they're going to do now that they're, they've been there. Mm-hmm. And the trailers look really good for season two. Yeah. Yeah. They play them in the theater and it makes right. you want to go home. <laughs> All right. August 5th, we got a whole bunch of new Let's releases go. starting with bodies, bodies, bodies hits theaters with Amanda Stenberg, Maria Bakalova, Chase Sweet Wonders, Rachel Sennett, Lee Tell Pace, them. and Pete Davidson. The you new A24 comedy horror uh, yeah, you caught it back at South by Southwest. I caught a screening last week. 
And I gotta say, more positive than I expected to be because I was not enjoying those trailers, man. I, I, got, I told you those I started to get a little bad. bit worried. I told those you those are trailers bad are bad. Trailers. Now you could see how how terribly they chopped the stuff up, and that shows you that this movie does a really good job of approaching those elements, uh, those specific words, and and just uh, different subcultures of today's uh, youth. And the trailer took the worst aspects of that and did like the most hello Gen Z uh, version of that to bring people in. And, and yeah. I worry that it might detract a lot of people. But talk about that word of mouth because this is a movie that I think people will be, will be discussing, wanting to take their friends to go see. Uh, but you definitely don't want to get spoiled. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely like a lot of times with movies like this, you feel like it's maybe tipping the hand too early. And I felt genuinely like surprised and unsure of what was going to happen. Uh, my, my suspicions kept changing. So I think that's all you asked for with a movie like that, right? Mm -hmm. That, that you get wrapped up in the mystery of it as well. And that the characters are fun enough to hang out with. You know, I think there's a version of this movie where the characters could have tipped over that edge into being like, like you're saying that like Gen Z Twitter speak to annoyingness. And it, it didn't go over the edge. I think it was like an appropriate amount. It's up it. against the wall. Don't get me wrong. They're mosh pitting yeah. that wall, but it doesn't cross it. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it, dude. Yeah. I, I, this would be my biggest theater recommendation for this upcoming week. Yeah. We'll be talking about it more for sure soon. Uh, also, Bullet Train hits Let's theaters go. this weekend. I think a lot of critics got screenings of it tonight, so we'll be seeing some more reactions mm -hmm. soon. I think you and I are trying to catch it tomorrow. Uh, it's yep. the latest from director David Leach, and it's got a pretty good cast as well with Brad Pitt, Brian Tyree Henry, Henry, Michael Shannon, Sandra Bullock, Joey King. Um, I don't Bad know, man. Bunny, bro. I, I feel Bad like Bunny this... in this movie, bro. He got a song <laughs> and everything in it. He's about to be a DC Ooh. superhero. It's Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. stacked cast. David Leach is a really good director. And for those of you who, who do want to see it early, tomorrow AMC is doing a slew of free screenings. It's covered on your yes. AMC uh, pass Regal because um, I'll be watching it through Regal it's covered through Regal as well so if you wanted to catch it early tomorrow you could get a little head start yeah I mean I think the trailers for this one look pretty fun but Solid. I'm also hearing some not great buzz so I don't know really? I'm, I'm keeping myself I'm, I'm keeping myself excited for it we'll see what ends up happening this I'm week forward to it. Easter Sunday hits theaters on Friday, the new Universal movie starring Joe Coy. Not sure why they decided to release an Easter movie in the middle of summer, but okay, cool. Um, I'll probably he's, check that one out. He's anyway. going to have a big August. He's got this, which yeah. is getting a lot of hype, and then he's going to have a stand-up special on Netflix. So, mm -hmm. Joe Coy month. Yeah, if you have a... If you have a Filipino friend, I'm sure you've heard of him, so maybe take that <laughs> Filipino friend out to Easily. the movies. I love my dad, the South by Southwest movie with Patton Oswalt in theaters this weekend as well. I'm excited to check, check that one out and talk about it because I think you said you think I'd like it. I think you'd like it. They sent us a link. If you didn't get it, I'm going to have to forward you mine. I did. This is the cringiest comedy of the year, and there's something kind of beautiful in that. Okay. Curious about it. Uh, Luck hits Apple TV+. Plus. This is a new Skydance animation feature film Looks with nice. Whoopi Goldberg, Jane Fonda, Lil Ray Howery, Flula Borg, and Simon Pegg. Yeah, it looks cute. Looks cute. All right. Miha hits theaters. This was a Sundance movie earlier this year that mm -hmm. I think you responded quite uh, nicely to. Yeah, I thought this was pretty good. I was very surprised to see Disney pick it up. Uh, so it's yeah. part of their like Disney Plus doc 
music. I, I don't even know what, what they're approaching it with because yeah. I feel like it was like a, some sort of brand uh, from the Disney docs that was doing it. But it is uh, a documentary that's following a producer who ends up losing who their main talent is and then ends up finding another talent who's also struggling uh, with her family staying in the States. Uh, I, I really liked it. I'm looking forward to revisiting it because we caught this one probably in the midst of Sundance. It was a morning one. I remember that much. Um, but I really liked the way that they were able to uh, intertwine both of their stories, the producers and then also the talents. Um, and I'm very curious because I've seen her perform. Uh, I haven't seen her perform, but I've seen her on a lot of festivals that have been in our horizon. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious to see how this does over on Disney Plus. And I mean, Disney Plus is not even the same than what it was at Sundance. So it's a completely different platform now. So like, I, I want to be like, I feel like this would have been great on Hulu, but Disney Plus has Deadpool now. Disney Plus has Logan. I don't, I don't, I can't speak on the streaming side of it, but I can speak on the doc. Yeah, maybe they're really, gonna... good, really good doc. Maybe they're going to try and push the people who watch like the Olivia Rodrigo special or something to watch this or something. Anything okay. but to try and bring some more eyes to a movie like this would be cool uh, whenever it does hit Disney Plus later this year. Uh, but another big Disney streaming release, this one over on Hulu, not Disney, is Prey, the latest in the Predator series directed by Dan Trachenberg. Uh, this one okay. looks pretty cool. Um, curious to check this one out. We have a screener, so I, I still haven't caught it. I don't Are know we if you did, but we're, we're embargoed anyway. No, we're embargoed. Oh, okay. um, but we'll come back. <laughs> we'll come back like and Dan, talk about I it like more Dan Trachtenberg. He's really cool, so yeah. yeah. Uh, Resurrection, which was in theaters last weekend, is going to be on digital and VOD what? this week. This one is the Sundance movie with Rebecca Hall and Bro, Tim going Roth to and Wait, is it going to shutter too? No, it's going to VOD first, but it's going to shutter right after. Damn. Oh, damn, man. I mean, look, that that's a great shutter movie. That is a disturbing psychological horror. Yes. And it's got maybe the performance of the year in Rebecca Hall. Um, one of the I definitely. cannot recommend this one more strongly because it it is an unsettling but but captivating movie. Uh, we we yeah. both put it on our top 10 movies out of Sundance. And Easily. I was looking back at our list. I think we both had it at number eight. That feels too low for Resurrection, man. Kind of. I, well, I would I have know. it I higher if we were doing it. I need that rewatch. I yeah. will say double this yeah. up. If this comes out on Shutter. I'm not exactly sure the dates, but I don't remember when Watcher came out. I think it's going to follow the same trajectory. Watcher is scheduled to come out uh, on Shutter at the end of this month. So probably by the end of Ooh. next month, this might be on Shutter as well, and I would say that those Intriguing. that would be a crazy double feature right there between the two of those, Resurrection and Shutter. But highly recommend this one, even if it's in theaters. I would recommend going to go see it. Definitely, Netflix's latest blockbuster TV show, The Sandman, based on the Neil Gaiman series, uh, debuts on August fifth. Every one of the big streamers has like a huge TV show coming. This in month? the next month or so, and it's is... all kicking off with the Sandman on Netflix, and it feels like the one that has maybe the least hype to me. Um, well, it would be because Netflix you're not allowed to hoping. say anything. It's all secrets. No right. one will say anything in an interview. Yeah, they can't send us any screeners. They won't send us screeners. Once we see it, we're not allowed to tell you whether it's good or bad. Everything must be a secret. So I'm sure that'll yeah. be a very successful thing to get word of mouth out for your show. Right. I don't Are know. You, you're not interested. I, I just never really cared about this 
them. I don't think they I don't do know. anything to make it interesting. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't look like something that I should go out of my way for, which is a weird thing to say about something that they dropped two hundred million dollars. Make an on. event out of it. I don't know what this is. <laughs> look look at what HBO's doing. You saw what HBO did? This month they're doing this really cool thing where they're not releasing a damn thing any week of the month because they've got mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Exactly. You, maybe you should maybe you should look to the other networks who've done this better than you. I don't Easily. know. Yeah. All right. Uh, over on Peacock, they have a new film called They Them. This is from Blumhouse and stars Kevin Bacon. Um, and it's about a gay conversion camp. So interesting. I'm just I just know that this is going to be the latest movie to just set off a million things. We're doing a Let Us Explain on this. That... 45 minute Let Us Explain. <laughs> frame by frame. Ah, uh, man. I don't know, man. I, it, good luck on that one because I'm going <laughs> to stay clear of it. I'm not. My Twitter mentions are clean enough as is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I usually watch the Blumhouse stuff, but I'm just like worried about this one. I'm just I'm just concerned. And this one's Peacock, right? Yeah. All right, well, we'll see. So it's not um, even one of their theatrical familiar. ones. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Hey, the guy wrote Aviator, bro. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. And then finally, over on Amazon Prime, 13 Lives, the latest film directed by Ron Howard, which is in theaters now, hits streaming. Really good cast on this one. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious to check it out, but uh, not curious enough that I went and saw it in theaters this weekend. Two so, and a half hours? Uh, yeah. I saw it was coming on Prime. Yeah. I said I'll book my tickets in my sofa instead. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll make 13 Lives my first pick of the week. Oh, uh, but great. what about you, Art? What do you want to talk about in your picks of the Again, if you have the chance to go see it in theaters, go see Resurrection in theaters because I think it's that solid. Uh, But if it's coming out on VOD, that's also really cool, too. You get to replay probably one of the best monologue sequences of this year. Uh, The Harley Quinn show just started again. They're on season three. I think it's just as funny and as belligerent as everything else has been. We were talking about Super Pets earlier. DC, they will. You want a kid's show? Here you go. We'll make it rated G. We'll be PG, (laughs) PG 13 and rated our animation. They'll give you anything. Uh, the I was going back and binging the season two. It's, it's just funny. It's just funny how they're able to invert a lot of what you know about the DC and then just make fun of it. Uh, Hatching, though, is now on Hulu, and I would highly recommend it in terms yeah. of probably the best, what are they called, SVOD releases? I think I've been on Hulu. They've been able to pick up some really good stuff out of Sundance and really big things that have been theatrical. And this was one of my favorite horrors coming out of there. I think it's uh, it's got a lot of good... Um, body horror but then uh and i needed to see it on a rewatch a lot of different themes going on between this family so i'm curious to catch hatching again now that it's streaming definitely on hulu yeah that was also one of my favorite midnight movies that we saw at sundance this year so So now that it's available on on hulu definitely check that one out if you're into if you're into horror if you're into into creature movies if you're into weird uh, oppressive parent movies hatching's pretty cool um, I mentioned 13 Lives. Now that it's on Amazon Prime, I'm curious to check that one out. I mean, any movie that has Colin Farrell in it, I'm I'm probably going to check out at some point. So mm-hmm. I'll put that one on there. Uh, but I'll also give another shout out to The Resort because I, I'm really intrigued by the show. I think it's fun. I think it's uh, pulling me down a rabbit hole of sorts. And I really like the cast. I really like the, the creative team behind it. We didn't even mention uh, what's his name from Mr. Robot. 
Uh, Sam, Sam Esmail, Esmail is another executive producer oh, is on that the resort. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I saw Mr. Robot. I didn't want to assume. I figured it could have been somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Sam Esmail's involved too. So right. definitely recommend the resort. But yeah, my, my top pick for the weekend Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Bubbling and it's it just right a limited yes, release. So I'm not sure any, everybody's going to get the chance to see it. But if you can, if it's in your town, bring your definitely, friends. Yeah, check bring it out moms. and check it out before your somebody grandma. spoils it for us, you. That too. Yeah, this is definitely, Yeah, I don't want to call it Scream, but this is a version of like Scream where you want to make sure you get to experience it before somebody tells you. Absolutely. Uh, but I think that's about all for this week's edition of The Weekend Must Watch. If you want more from me, Zach Shevich, by, be sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at Zshevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V as in vengeance, I-C-H. <laughs> and check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at multiplex show art where can people find more from you you can find me over on lme explain on twitter letterbox youtube or every week here on the intercut podcast you can catch every episode of the intercut podcast on itunes on spotify on anchor whatever your favorite podcatcher is i happen to like overcast and then make sure you're not just subscribed to the audio feed but to the video feed as well on our youtube channel youtube.com slash intercut pod where you can catch our bright smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment uh find new episodes of the weekend must watch streaming on our youtube channel every monday sometimes we do it at 3 p.m sometimes we do it at like 7 p.m today we went at 9 you know just just check social media check the youtube channel we'll always leave a little notification or just listen to us tuesday morning we'll always be up by then complete with time codes please leave us a comment like the videos and consider heading over to itunes to give us that much requested five star review we're still looking for somebody to leave that hundredth five star review and and you know really make me happy but i do want to shout out the the people of ghana the people of argentina julieta included for putting us on the tv and pil- film podcast charts out there like our facebook instagram twitter pages support our patreon all of them are at intercut pod where you can get the updates throughout the week from art from me from all the guests that we feature here on intercut including jeffrey borislow who stopped by the live stream shout out jeff yeah shout out jeff we got to bring we got to do another karst cast collab soon Uh, think about (laughs) what the next good topic is for that anyway uh thanks again for tuning in and until next time nobody writes anything they translate yes sir my favorite one from the movie too it's a good one yeah there's a lot of there's some good lines i mean look he's a smart writer there's going to be some good lines in it i wonder if he wrote for the office (laughs) probably